it's Friday the 22nd of September. I'm Miranda Sawyer. And you know, thanks a lot, Lachlan. That job was mine. Welcome back to Paper Cuts, the modern newspaper review, where we line up the papers like our four middle-aged offspring and then shout questions at them and tell them their ideas are terrible, all in the name of giving you the very best of the news. And like our beloved papers, we also have some news. From next Monday, the 25th of September, so in just three days' time, we will be out every weekday morning, so you can get your insider gossip and terrible jokes about the UK press every single day, from Monday to Friday. Yep, five days a week from Monday, so you know what? Why not hit subscribe on your favourite podcast app and you'll never miss an episode. Now, here are the headlines for today's show. 92-year-old has a sit-down. Rupert Murdoch has resigned as CEO of News Corp and Fox and handed the reins to his son Lachlan. 74-year-old has a big tea. King Charles and Camilla are in France, attending banquets and playing ping-pong. And 43-year-old has an idea. Rishi Sunak's come up with something else to save Britain, and it's not banning bins. Welcome to Paper Cuts. We read the papers, so you don't have to. Thanks for joining us on Papercuts, where we formed a WhatsApp group and our oldest brother isn't in it. I'm Miranda Sawyer and joining me on the show today is writer and elegant tinny swigger Marie Leconte. Hello, Marie. Hello. Also with us is comedian and graceful cheese nibbler Marcus Brigstock. Bonjour. (laughs) (laughs) So what have we got on the front page today? Marcus, what do you have? Well, the Times have got a lovely picture of kindly looking elderly mogul Rupert Murdoch (laughs) with his son, Kendall Roy. Uh, But the main headline is PM wants A-level reform to boost pupils' life skills. This is the move to the baccalaureate, uh, probably five subjects and probably four of them maths. Oh, God. Uh, Six of them maths, if you're as good at maths as I am. Um, The Sun, who crowned Russell Brand their shagger of a year no less than four times, uh, have said, bosses ignored vile antics, BBC's shame over flasher (laughs) brand. Uh, so it's definitely all the BBC's fault what happened there Uh, but the big important news as always is in the Daily Star Um, SOS so you know it's important save our spam shoppers (laughs) turn nose up at meaty classic (laughs) imagine being described as a meaty classic I should call him yes I mean, I, I must say, uh, having very happily played King Arthur in Spamalot, I do think this is an important story. <laughs> Monty Python made Spam famous and kept it famous for long after it should have been. And I am going to say that the Italians have done very well with mortadella, which is Spam, if you've ever tried it. Spam with a fancy name. What's this? Mortadella. And you're like, oh, that sounds nice. What is it? It's a Spam. <laughs> And it is. It's big round spam. Uh, But yeah, we're not buying enough of it. You have a spam fact, no, Marie? Uh, Yes, some people are buying spam in East Asia. So it's a really popular food staple there, which is actually quite um, quite interesting. So they kind of like fry it in little bits and have it with rice. Um, So there you go. So I think the star should just go have a nice holiday in South Korea. Yeah, it would be perfect. Okay, Marie, what are the front pages that you have? Um, So in the Daily Telegraph, we also have the Murdoch boys uh, showing off their pins Um, and an incredibly boring headline. uh, Hunt, tax cuts are virtually impossible. Uh, So not totally impossible then. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Then in the mirror, we've got actually quite a good headline. So for your eyes only, 
which is about the beautician uh, who's been found to be a spy, uh, which again, one may, as a, as a former picture desk person, uh, I would uh, happily guess that um, that only made the front page because she's quite an attractive woman. Yeah. Um, there so, are yeah, so five spies in all, but it is only is the her. Only one who is, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry uh, for ugly spies. <laughs> um, and then in the so in the Daily Mail we've got Starmer lets cats out of the bag on Brexit betrayal, which is uh, both boring and regrettably something I believe we will talk about later. Yeah. Sorry, um, Marie. <laughs> yeah, yay! And then, but what I do find really interesting is that there's a big picture of Emma Watson looking, you know, quite fit. But I think the Daily Mail has spent so much time talking about how woke and terrible and awful she is. So it's kind of heartening to know that if you're just fit enough, the Mel is willing to forgive you for being woke. Yeah, if you're in a nice frock and your pins are good, no, don't exactly. worry about it. <laughs> and you have some male gossip, do you not, Marie? Uh, well, yes, the The word on Fleet Street uh, seems to be that the Daily Mail would like to get rid of one of its most famous columnists. Who could that be? Um, yeah, I know that's like, someone quite blonde and annoying, perhaps. I don't know if, yeah. Ex Prime Minister. That rules out Sarah Vine. <laughs> <laughs> She's neither of those things. Um, but no, and I, I think Mel Execs had been annoyed about that particular columnist for some weeks now, given that he's been writing about nothing of interest whatsoever, um, and yet has done some big newsy story on Ukraine for The Spectator, which you'll notice is not the Daily Mail, which is paying that columnist. So, so, so he's been uh, 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 seeing <laughs> seeing other papers, uh, <laughs> other well, other other journals occasionally, <laughs> sometimes. That's uncanny, and I do not mean that as a compliment. <laughs> like, I like you less now. Yeah, well, that's fair. Um, that's amazing that that if if he goes, it is literally because he's had a little affair with another. <laughs> With another publication. I mean, it's just... Changing the locks at Northcliffe House. <laughs> now, dominating the broadsheets, if not the tabloids, is the news that Rupert Murdoch, 92-year-old pre-eminent media mogul of our era, is stepping down from his role as chairman of News Corporation and head of Fox. He will be succeeded by his eldest son, Lachlan 52. Roops, who started in media when he took over his father's newspaper business in Australia in 1954, will take on a new role as chairman emeritus of both companies. Now, there's a lot of articles about this, but there's an absolutely amazing article in the Mail by Andrew Neil summarising Murdoch's career, isn't there, Marie? Oh, yes. No, it's infuriating. It's an incredibly good <laughs> article. And it's very long as well. It is, you know, I'm, I'm sort of, I can't believe I'm basically recommending a sort of like New Yorker style long read by Andrew mm. Neil in the mail. But we are where we are. Uh, no, no, so, and obviously, you know, he is someone who worked closely with Rupert Murdoch for quite a long time. And it's what I found interesting as well. Like, it's quite happy that like, not fully dishing the dirt, but still going into some detail about his relationship with Rupert and what Rupert Murdoch is like in person. Uh, can't imagine Murdoch would love that, but then again, you know, I, I don't know what they're like, the boys. Um, no, it, it's a really interesting piece, kind of both charting, I think, the way Rupert Murdoch became who he is um, and sort of turned uh, News Corp, etc., into what they are, but also quite a critical one, effectively arguing that um, the excesses of both, you know, the tabloids during the hacking scandal, but also Fox News during the, the last election in the US. Uh, mean that, you know, it was kind of probably time for Rupert to go because the company no longer is in the state uh, that it was once in. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because what you have a feel, and there's always this feel around murder, which I think has been kind of highlighted by succession, that is a kind of big, tragic 
story. It's like yeah. a drama. And um, and what Andrew Neil says, which is is quite right, is that you know he he made the sun, he created the sun, and then mm-hmm. he brought it down by not reining it in. He created Fox News, and then he kind of brought it down with the same yeah, way. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it, there's so much in that in that write-up that's staggering. One of the things being that the hacking scandal cost them a billion and that the uh, voting machines thing cost 878 million, I think, and there's more to come. And that that any company or corporation could could just have to pay that amount of money because of cock-ups and they're still fine and they're still absolutely massive. Mm. Um but two other details I found fascinating, obviously, is how close it genuinely is to um, to succession. One of the things I really loved was, and it was a rumour, so who knows, but that apparently the fallout between Murdoch and Jerry Hall was that he kept asking her whether she was leaking stories to the writers of Succession. And the reason I like that was it means he was watching. Because you, you sort of, you're like, oh, I hope he's watching. I hope he's watching. I feel like the funniest... I don't know, like in my head, I love the idea of him not watching it, but having a lackey who watches it and makes little yes. notes and every day, like, sir, yeah. How's the episode this week? Did I, did, did, did I, I mean, Logan come over okay, generally? Oh, yes, sir, yes. I mean, he seemed, Everyone loves him. He seemed benign, very popular, yeah, yeah. But the, 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 Andrew Neil writes about that. He says even when his sons, particularly, he sort of wrote off his daughter Elizabeth, but when the Because she's son, a girl... Well, obster. <laughs> uh, when the when the boys were still teenagers, he would sort of tease them about the question of succession. Now, one of you is going to get this. Ah, who will it be? Now, fight. Yeah, I mean it's weird because there are a few articles a little bit around uh, around succession mm. about whether Lachlan is Kendall or Roman, but actually it's not quite like succession because. Now, Lachlan has been anointed because James dropped out. I mean, he ignored Elizabeth because even yeah. though she'd probably been great because she was a woman. Um, and James was was kind of primed for it, but then stepped back because James didn't agree with the yeah. right wing slant of a lot of the papers. So he's dropped out. So there hasn't been a physical fight. And he, I mean, it's literally, you know, he's anointed. Of, if he oversaw it, and I one just assumes he, he did, James was shackled firmly to the hacking scandal. Mm. It was him that was out front and had to say sorry, and it was then that he stepped down, I think. Um, But the other thing I really liked from Andrew Neil's write-up, which just because you think of the Murdoch empire as unstoppable and this sort of Death Star and huge, that actually the sun is in real trouble. Circulation is still going down, thank goodness. Um, It's the times that's valuable, but that Lachlan has no interest in British newspapers. He's mm. not interested. So that might change our political landscape a bit. Yeah, because wasn't it the fact that he's apparently barely been in Britain in the last decade? And I feel yeah. like I would personally argue that the UK has changed quite a lot in the past 10 years. So you probably, mm. so if even in those mental, crazy, nonstop years, he had no point of thought, oh, I should go check what's going on there, then I feel like there's no hope for him having really any, any interest in us. Now we're getting boring again. I mean, people are hardly even buying spam anymore. That's how much <laughs> it's changed. There was um, a, a book uh, recently that also, uh, obviously, around the Murdochs. And this Wall Street analyst who was kind of au fait with the breakdown of relationship between James and Lachlan said, to, off the record, that it will be fair to assume that actually the day that Rupert dies, Lachlan will be fired because... The other, the mm. other children, you know, James and uh, Elizabeth and Prudence, all still have shares. Mm. So once Rupert dies, right. they can, okay. it's going to get to equal shares as well. Yeah. Yeah. Equal yeah, yeah. shares, they mm. could get rid of him. Yeah. So 
Yeah. Who so knows? that's quite succession-y, to be fair. I know, Very. quite good. I, yeah, let's hope so, eh? Yeah. Um, there's a, I just want to go into Rupert's le- leaving statement really quickly because there's um, some really funny bits. First of all, one bit, which is just, if you work for him, would be terrible. He says, I will be watching with a critical eye and reaching out to you with thoughts, ideas and advice. When I visit your countries and companies, you can expect to see me in the office Late on a Friday afternoon. I mean, can you imagine? You're just about to go to the pub and this kind of media goblin comes yeah, in yeah. and says you've got to stay. Again, I feel like what that says to me is that have a long lunch on Friday. You know you'll be finishing late. So like go go for a proper like <laughs> butler on the Friday afternoon. Then you can come back at four and stay till eight. But someone like him, they can't retire or resign. You can't spend your days going, uh, make sure stupid people think climate change isn't real. Right. Swim, yeah. I think. You I know, know it doesn't like, happen. It doesn't happen. He 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 said famously, you know, you'll have to carry me out of here in a box. And I suspect he may have just cleared himself more time to get more involved. Yeah, perhaps. I mean, he also gave there's a mad bit of his leaving statement, which it, this paragraph is just amazing. Elites have open contempt for those who are not members of their rarefied class. Most of the media is in cahoots with those elites, peddling political narratives rather than pursuing the truth. He's the owner of Fox. It is <laughs> that that detail across, you know, from the sort of small end, Farage describing other people as as elite, or Donald Trump describing other people as elite. The duplicity and stupidity of that is so wild, and yet people are like, yeah. You see him on Twitter, yeah, the elites. You stick it to the elites, but Rupert. Isn't it mostly, oh, so I feel like Eve. Nah. Even Farage and stuff, I'm like, oh, it's true that you're not really part of the establishment. But like Rupert Murdoch has hobnobbed with every single world leader of any, basically any party yeah. apart from the proper left for decades. So it's not even actually he's talked. He talks to everyone. He was talking, to, you know, Keir Starmer recently in the UK. Mm. Like he he talks to everyone. Yeah. So that, yeah. that's the thing that I don't quite get. It's like you know everyone in that bubble. Yeah, and also, you I mean one could argue that he engineered Brexit and that he engineered a Trump win. I mean, you yeah. could. I mean, that's yeah. you know, that's that's some influence, isn't it's it? A bit, it's a bit it's of a influence, bit. yeah. Now, many of the papers, and especially the Telegraph, have been getting very excited about King Charles and Queen Camilla's visit to France. Fit for the king inside the lavish royal banquet at Versailles, it says on the front page of the Telegraph, which leads us to a frothy piece in the features section. Um, Plus, the king is actually also on the Telegraph front page's news. So that's two appearances. He made a speech at the French Senate encouraging France and the UK to work together and tackle the biodiversity emergency. He spoke partly in French, apparently. Marie, <laughs> as a resident French person, how do you feel Charles is going down in France and would you like to comment on his French accent? <laughs> so I would love nothing more. Can I have the rest of the podcast? Talk about the fact that actually his French is fine, but it's not amazing. So Willie Hugron, who was at the dinner, speaks much better French, at least with a much better accent uh, than the king does. I watched the video and I thought, you must have had the best tutors in the entire world. How are you still... Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I think the French people weirdly do really like the royal family in a way that I personally don't fully understand. Um, they definitely loved, I think, the Queen more. 
and at first when Charles, you know, sort of came in, I, I, yeah, anecdotally, you know, going home to see my family and we mostly talked about his sausage fingers. To be fair, by, by, by we talked about, I mean, I got the picture out on my phone and showed it to every relative I have because I thought it was really funny. Um, voilà, ça c'est un boudin blanc. <laughs> boudin rouge, my friend. Yeah, <laughs> circulation is very bad. Yeah. Um, but no, and I, I think there's weirdly, yeah, there's weirdly a lot of love in France for the royal family. What I had read, and I've no idea if it's true, I'm, I'm curious, is obviously the middle of Paris is a beautiful museum surrounded by the housing estate. And then there's all the rest of France, right? Yeah. And I basically heard that in the middle of Paris, people are like, oh, yes, King Charles, marvellous, isn't he nice? But that most of the rest of France are like, what is this? Oh, okay. I don't I know if say, that's true or not. So my focus group of one in this case. There's uh, <laughs> <laughs> plenty, uh, absolutely plenty. Uh, no, who is one of my best mates from school, who is from like rural working class background, from like near Nantes as well, so not even near Paris. Yeah. Fucking like came to London some years ago now, not to see me, her best friend, but to go wait in the street for the wedding of Kate and Will, oh, which wow. was nice. deeply puzzling. And also, yeah. obviously, I was like, as a Londoner, I was like, of course, I want nothing to do with this whatsoever. I think sure. I went to a squat party in Deptford to avoid it. <laughs> um, and yeah, and she just went and spent the day. So she came to London for that. So no, I think genuinely, lots of French people are, of all backgrounds and geographical, you know, spaces. Uh, I think it's all part of that general like. Oh, the quirky English. They still have little kings and queens. Yeah, so yeah. it's slightly patronising, I would say. Yeah, it's um, interesting. But well-meaning. In, mm. the, in the Telegraph, it reports that Liberation, which is the French newspaper that's kind of the equivalent of The Guardian, uh, a bit more left-wing, yeah. right? They have written an approving article about him. So he seems to be kind of doing all the well, right things. I suppose, things. you know, for all that time while he was waiting and twiddling his massive thumbs. <laughs> um, uh, he's red he thumbs. Is, yeah, you know, he's always, as much as he's expressed it in his spidery letters, been pretty closely aligned to the European ideal, you know, mm. and, and in terms of certainly his... Um, eco-credentials and stuff. I mean, that's a lot of what he's there to do, isn't it? To say, you know, right then, let's let's see what we can do together. Yeah. I have to say that just speaking as a, you know, from the newspaper style, the, the, the Telegraph hasn't got enough pictures for me. I just, you know, like not enough mm. I agree. I wanted more. Yeah, I wanted more outfits, more yeah. little outfits, maybe some pictures of the food. I feel like, cause especially the Telegraph piece talks, like gets into... An insane amount of detail about the food that they ate, like every part mm. of every dish. Like, was it even like the poulet de Brest, like the chicken? Had was it like some truffle rubbed under the skin? I feel like, if I know that, I deserve pictures of what it looked like. Exactly, yeah. I completely mm. agree. I mean, I'd you know. like to see the rubbing. <laughs> you like to see the whole thing. I have to say also that they've worked slightly hard. It's not just all been dinners. They've been to a flower market. They saw the renovations of Notre Dame, and they've um, visited Saint Denis, where the Rugby World Cup will be played. And they played. Ping pong. I mean, that is beyond the call of duty for you know seventy-year-olds in suits, isn't it? Don't you think? Camilla, Camilla seemed quite up for it. I think she had a bit of a laugh. Yeah, she always and there had was, a bit of a laugh. There was, yeah, exactly. There was no diplomatic cock up. They didn't call it le wifwa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did see a detail I really loved. So I think that Peter Allen, the journalist, tweeted it, where apparently Camilla met some uh, French dignitaries of some sort or another. And she said, "Oh, do you speak English?" And they went, uh, "Un petit peu." And, they went, oh, and she went, "Oh, come on then." Um, <laughs> she just bullied French people into speaking English, which I really respect. It's nice that uh, that Prince Philip's legacy <laughs> is finding its way through in Camilla. 
Now, here at Papercuts, we love a brilliant headline. Short, snappy, funny, punny, anything that makes us giggle or groan. And we know you love them too, which means that today is your favourite day, as Fridays are when we run our Fix the Headline competition. And we have a corker for you, haven't we, Marcus? (laughs) We've got an absolute gem. (laughs) Now, the best ones of these are puns, but in every single newspaper today is the funniest headline I've seen in years, which is Daniel Khalif pleads not guilty. (laughs) Like, that is some nuts. How do you strap yourself to a van with balls that big? (laughs) How do you... How do you... You you were literally caught in, where was he, Chiswick or something. How do you plead? Not guilty. Wasn't me. Someone else (laughs) didn't happen, mate. I don't know what you're on about. Just that slipped and fell under the truck. Incredible, yeah. What it was, right, I was cooking and I I assume a shoelace got trapped under the delivery van. Next thing I knew, I'm in Chiswick. Oh, I enjoyed the person who was like, well, you know, he could go for the French defence saying, well, but, you know, existence is a prison. So I had to escape. Yeah, What's, what's the difference between being in there and out there? Yeah. But there are no good headlines for this amazing story, which is unbelievable. So please send us a great headline under the hashtag Fix the Headline. um, And you could be in with a chance of winning a thoroughly exclusive Papercuts T-shirt. What are you waiting for? And what about the actual papers? Do we have any good examples of the headline writer's craft today, Marcus? We do, yeah. I mean, in the star, I mean, their front page is save our spam. But but they've gone... (laughs) Still good. I mean, this carries through the entire paper. Uh, the headline for us not buying spam anymore is Spammer Lost. <laughs> uh, and, and pleasingly, it's next to a picture of Nick Knowles being saucy with, with a woman. Um, no, I don't know if that relates to it, but there we are. <laughs> and in the sun, you have one. Uh, yes, a sports. There's a very good, very good for, for sports fans of football. Uh, this is a gentleman who's turned his entire toilet into a supporter's toilet for the Newcastle football team. And there's a picture of him sitting on his stripy humbug of a loo. And the headline is, bog on the tine. Bog on the tine, everyone. Oh, with footy fans gone potty. They've doubled down. They've doubled down. Well done, the sun. Okay, and Marie... Uh, well, also in the Sun, there's a story about how like Tina Turner's West End musical uh, is facing problems. There's a mice infestation there, uh, and they went with simply the pest, which I love. <laughs> but mostly, I think my favorite thing, which I'd not noticed when I first looked at the story, is that there's quite a large picture of a mouse that appears to be scheming with a little speech bubble saying, "I'm looking for a nut brush." <laughs> <laughs> A nut brush. That is literally, bless them, makes no sense at all. None whatsoever. That's really good. I can't help but respect in yeah. a weird way. And, and you have the mirror as well, right? Yes. Well, I mean, I, I feel like that is, it's, it's not quite um, on par with the other ones. But um, so Matt Hancock uh, is currently on Celebrity SAS, Who Dares Wins? Um, and was, you'll be shocked to hear, apparently quite cocky about it in his chances of winning and his... Uh, not taking criticism very well. So um, he's been given a nickname uh, on the show, which the mirror has uh, turned into a headline, which is Hancock with the silent hand. <laughs> <laughs> the more you unpack that in your head, the worse it gets. So that the mirror have spent half a page literally going, Matt Cock more like. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be a funnier headline as well. Like I would, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Now, there are a couple of weird political stories on the front pages today. One concerning Keir Starmer and one Rishi Sunak. Shall we unpick them quickly? (laughs) The Mail has this as its headline. Starmer lets cat out of bag on Brexit betrayal. Marie, what is this about? Uh, I know, sorry. Um, so, no, no, Miranda, <laughs> you, you will be shocked and astounded uh, to hear that uh, Keir Starmer is not an incredibly hard Brexiteer. Uh, but no, he basically was speaking at a conference in Canada uh, recently and said that he, you know, Labour government would not want to diverge from the EU on sort of like big bits of regulation. Uh, a, it's not in any way a massive exclusive because the Labour Party posted that video on their social channels and I think it got like two likes on Facebook um, so it's really not something they were hiding. But B, again, not in any meaningful way a surprise. Like we, we, we knew that Keir Starmer wanted at least some level of convergence with the EU like without and, going back into the single market and customs the, union. the Tories don't want to, no, <laughs> exactly. don't want to diverge no, it, on these every, things. It's so weird. Every bit of regulation that gets torn up puts up a new barrier to trading whatever service or good that is. It's really simple. I mean, Rishi Sunak, do you remember that video he did of his giant shredder? The first hundred days, I will shred all of this stuff. And he must have known uh, that it was, that 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 was nonsense. He must have known because every single one they tear up means a new trade barrier. And it's as simple as that. So so Starmer is aligned very closely with what all the grown-ups in the Conservative Party know to be true. Yeah, it's just a non-story. But anyway, should we move on from that one to another weird, almost, but kind of non-story, but it might become a story. This one is about Rishi Sunak. And this it's not about non-existent bins and meat tax. It's about him bringing, perhaps bringing in a baccalaureate to replace A-levels, isn't it? So that means that you would study a broader curriculum, English and maths till you're 18. And Downing Street so far have refused to comment, but the proposals are supposedly part of Rishi's great ideas to change the UK and uh the Whitehall source says it is being considered and a senior Conservative source has said, look, he is definitely going to press ahead. I mean, I think it's a bad idea, but Marie, you have a different opinion, right? Well, yes, yeah, so I, I believe that A-levels are for clowns, um, <laughs> is, is, is my main view. Uh, no, well, I, I think the thing is, and I don't disagree at all, you know, I don't think everyone loves math and should have to study lots of it till they're 18, but I do think the French system of just changing the weighing, like the weighting mm. of of subjects from like between 16 and 18 is a much better way to do it. Oh, so I agree even with that. yeah. Mm. So again so like you keep sort of doing everything but even if it's one or two hours a week or you know if you've picked a mm. different kind of lane then it's five hours a week etc I think that's a better way of doing it because I do think that 16 is just that bit too early to really throw yourself in one direction to, to know what you're going to do. Yeah. Although I mean in terms of the maths thing uh I'm I'm 50 which means I remember very specifically in let's say two maths lessons a week, someone saying to us, well, you won't have a calculator in your pocket when you're out there in the real world, will you? And I want to say, if you are listening, Mr. Yule, uh, I do. I do. And everybody does all of the time. And not just a calculator, a device which can uh, do far more than simply calculate sums. So there's that. But yeah, the the, the baccalaureate thing, I, I think, is a decent idea. And actually, instead of maths... I think if they're going to broaden this out, what they need to do is insist that all students between 16 and 18 study engineering. And then you only graduate if you can successfully build new school buildings (laughs) uh, with concrete that will last, say, 10 plus years. (laughs) Then you're allowed to leave school. But frankly, until you've put up a new French lab, um, uh, you can't leave. 
that would work. Now, somewhere in between the furious front pages and the win-at-all-costs back ones, you can find the fun part of the papers. Silly columns, awful advice, happy animals, warring neighbours. What have we found today? Actually, this one is on the front page of the mirror for your eyes only, but it's also in the Mail and the Telegraph. The sexy spy. Hooray! And she's got an interesting job, hasn't she, Marie? Uh, Yes, she's a Lashes Extension Specialist, uh, which I have to be entirely honest, I had not realised before was a thing. But well done her. Is she not also a self-described Lashes Extension educator? She's an accredited eyelash educator, yes. Oh, is that the sort of thing you'd do in France between 16 and 18? (laughs) A couple of years studying eyelash extensions? I mean, I don't know. We we have A-levels, so, you know. (laughs) Listen, she won prizes for her lashes. (laughs) In the UK and Bulgaria, but also sinisterly in Russia. Hello. Okay, and The Telegraph has a really lovely article on AI. This slightly almost made me cry because I'm a big sap, but it's about AI translating whale talk. So sperm whales, when they make their sounds for echolocation, it's actually the loudest sound made by any living creature. So, you know, if you press play and record, you're definitely going to hear it. Mm, I think Brian Blessed would have a word or two to say (laughs) about that. So scientists have recorded them and then they want AI to kind of translate it. They've kind of mapped out the phonetic alphabet and they're hoping that what AI can do is tell them when certain sounds are used and then the scientists can map them to the whale activity. Um, which to me is just like Arrival, the film, which is why it made me mm. want to cry. Arrival is so, so good. So it's so good. Yeah. Yes, I know. Exactly. It's an underwater arrival. Oh, my God. <laughs> but there is going to be a big problem, isn't there, if we do successfully translate whale talk and find out that what they're doing first is going, oh, why is it all full of turds? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. If they're, so, if they're just gossiping or like, I just yeah. imagine them going, Yeah, what if what if whales are basically absolutely appalling lads? Uh, (laughs) What if whales are racist? (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Well, they are speciesist, aren't they? Between other whales, they fight and kill each other and stuff. Maybe we can get to the bottom of how and why orcas are planning to sink boats. Exactly, that's what they literally said. The scientists said they're going to ask the orcas. Once they can speak whale, they're going to ask the orcas while they're why why are they attacking? Leaning, yeah. leaning over the side of a yacht, saying to an orca, "What have we done?" <laughs> <laughs> orcas going, "You know what you did. <laughs> Bring me the head of Thames water." <laughs> And that's the end of today's Paper Cuts. Thanks to Marie. Thank you. And thanks to Marcus. Merci bien. Thanks for listening. <laughs> She's giving you a look, Marcus. <laughs> that's why I did it. <laughs> thanks for listening. And don't forget to follow Paper Cuts on your favourite podcast app. If you really like us, then leave us five stars. One for each day we'll be on from next week on Spotify and Apple and a Love Me Some Media Elite review. You can also follow us on X and Instagram at Papercuts Show. The links are in the show notes. I've been Miranda Sawyer and you've been listening to Papercuts on a day when the eye revealed that swans have disrupted trains for two days on the run. When asked if the same bird was responsible, an operator replied, no, I don't think so. Perhaps, <laughs> <laughs> perhaps they're part of a signet ring. Oh. <laughs> See you next time. Paper Cuts was presented by Miranda Sawyer with Marie LeConte and Marcus Brinkstock. 
was produced by group editor Andrew Harrison with assistance from Adam Wright. Audio production from me, Robin Leeburn, music by Simon Williams and art by Modern Tosh. Papercuts is a Podmasters production. <laughs>